You are listening to the Life Is Not Complicated. You are Strong Opinions Podcast, produced by Charles Andrews, with your host, best-selling author. Identify yourself, Carlos Montes. All right, I'm back with you on the Life Is Not Complicated Strong Opinions Podcast, and I got a young man with me today. I'm very excited about it, and I know he got some good answers for me, man. Uh, what's up, D? <laughs> How you doing? Hopefully I uh, don't disappoint after gassing me up like that. No, no, man. <laughs> hey, I've I known you for too long, man. Uh, so tell, tell them a little bit about yourself. I know you, but yeah. go ahead and you know, tell them what, who you are and, and what you do, man. Right. Um, so I'm Devontae. I'm the Harris County District Clerk's Community Outreach Liaison. And uh, before that, I worked at PBS. I worked at Channel 11 um, down here in Houston. And uh, I was freelancing for a year. So you know, I've been an entrepreneur. Still am, still doing that stuff on the side, but uh, it's been all over the place. Just kind of doing media relations, doing content creation, and now community outreach. I love it. I love it, young man. Now, just so we can plug East Texas, tell, tell them where you went to college, man. <laughs> the great the great school of Stephen F. Austin State University. Yes, yes sir. Uh, <laughs> yes, sir. In the middle of Nacogdoches, a.k.a. Nacogdoches. Y'all, man, come on. <laughs> I said East Texas, bro. <laughs> Now, we're going we to start off with the softball questions, right. man. Uh, I'm a Dallas Cowboy fan. Yes, that is well documented. <laughs> and and I, I think you're a Texan fan. Am I correct? Uh, I, I'm Texan. I'm a Texas fan of Jason. Okay, like, okay. Like, uh, or a supporter, you know. Okay. I, I, I can't call myself a Texan fan, though. Okay. Uh, Oilers, yes. Okay, you, you went all the way back. Man, that was yeah. way before your time. It was, but I, I, when I was a baby, I had a bunch of Oilers stuff. Is so, that right? Yeah. Okay. All right. So are you a fan of football or at all? Like you you, you watch uh, consistent or just, um, it just so happens? I would say when I was younger, I was heavy into football. I mean, I played football in high school. I, I tried out in college. Uh, I think... My attitude towards football changed after uh, learning a little bit more about the side effects. I interviewed a lot of ex-football players mm. who currently live in the city uh, for work and saw the condition that they were in. Um, I don't know if you've seen Earl Campbell. Yes, yeah. he's uh, Texan, man. Oh, well, yeah, but I mean, look at him now. Uh, you know, hey, and for the last 20 years, he can't, he can't even make a fist. You know, I'm man. telling you. His so knees and ankles are beat up. It's crazy. And, um, and then, of course, the Kaepernick stuff. Uh, so I've kind of... I wouldn't say I stopped watching football, but I am a lot more mindful of the extra things that are tied to football. It's not just the entertainment act, but right. the stuff that leads leads to it and the stuff that follows. Right, right, right. And so, um, so yeah, I, I've kind of gotten off of it uh, as, as heavy as I was before. Now, speaking of the Kaepernick situation, um, being, a, being an organizer myself, mm -hmm. like I understand the methods in which you have to you know the route you take to take down a giant like you know like yeah. the nfl right yeah. and so when people say to me well we're just going to turn it off we're not going to watch it on tv and I, I try to explain to them how ineffective that is you know if you really want to uh take down the nfl you have to go against their the the people that sponsor like yeah. say pepsi you know if everybody in the nation or the people that's turning it off says no more pepsi or their products and Pepsi start to feel that heat, they'll call the NFL. Yeah. And the same goes for Doritos, same goes for Absolutely. Ryzen and so forth and so on. But me, as a small voice, there's nothing I can do. Hmm. But if we can organize, uh, you know, a protest against their sponsors, that sponsor will make that call. 
I would, I would argue though that I don't think that's what people really want. No, no, that's not. That's because not. I mean, because you, you're right. You know, if if we were really serious about breaking this whole system down, we would be going about it in a completely different manner. Right. But there's too many people who enjoy the watching the sport that wouldn't want to see it go away. Right. Um, and so I, I, I don't know what a good solution would be. You know, you're not going to make the sport any safer. They've done all that. They've added a bunch of tech. You know, the helmets have all this stuff. I don't expect the owners of, of football uh, teams to be concerned with issues mm -hmm. from us. Right. They don't come from our community. Right, right. You know, so I mean, I wouldn't expect that. Like, I wouldn't expect Jerry Jones to be out in the hood, you know. Right. <laughs> doing whatever. That's not know? what he do. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. well, my thing, uh, when the Kaepernick thing even originated and people wanted to create the protest and whatnot, yeah. I mean, your, your first thought is to get their attention. Right. Yeah. Which okay. We were effective at that. When you get to, now what? Right. See, that's the part we always miss. The now yeah. what? And that's that's I would say that's more of a younger uh, demographic issue. Right. Because uh, I mean, when I was and again, I'm not well versed, but uh, when I did study a little bit on the '60s and kind of what was all involved with those movements, there was a legislative push in addition to the protesting. Right. So you did have groups of people who, yeah, they were out on the streets, you know, the dogs and all that stuff, mm -hmm. but you also had a segment of people going out to Congress and saying, hey, look, these are the bills we want to get passed. Right. And bills did get passed. Right. Because um, at some point they said, man, whatever it takes to make it stop. You yeah, know, let's let's exactly. go, let's come to the table. And they made some things move. And meet in the middle and, and just call the dogs off. <laughs> you know? Exactly. And so we, we will get on Twitter and any forms of social media and form a hashtag boycott. But now what? Right. Once we get their attention, what do we want? And social media is not the place to move. Everything is done through paperwork. You're, right, right. Legislation. Everything's, everything's paperwork. Yep. And, you know, even like, again, when it started, I said, we were we were raising uh, awareness, mm -hmm. and and I applaud Brother Kaepernick for doing so. And I said, man, the, the number one way they could kill this whole thing is get this guy a job. And I'm glad they didn't, because if they give him a job, it all goes away. Yeah. But the problems in which he was trying to bring awareness are still there. Yeah. So so it's like, how do we forget about that? Uh, it's one thing to turn the TV off. And, and not watch football, but what are you doing about the problem? As an individual, yeah. you know, quit waiting on someone else to do what we could do ourselves, you know? And I think too now, it's, uh, we're also in this era where there's always something going on. Right. It's really hard to stay focused. Mm-hmm, mm -hmm. So part of the now what is that there might be a, a, a people who were really active that right. moved on to a different movement. To a different movement, <laughs> yeah, and that happens. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I like that, man, uh, because like you said, it, you know, being in the political space now, we were talking before we turned the mics on, yeah. and being in the political space now, you, you look at things totally different. Yeah, I, I have a lot more empathy uh, for just what's all involved, A, for people who do run for office, and also being in office and, and what it takes to move bodies to go into a certain direction. Mm -hmm. um, you know, before, just to be all 100% you know, real of you guys, I didn't really care too much about politics. It wasn't really my lane. Um, I thought it was just a bunch of dog-eat-dog, dog, you know, people just talking trash to each other. Uh, and I didn't really know the behind-the-scenes stuff. 
And now, understanding, you know, it, running for a campaign is extremely difficult. Yes, sir. <laughs> it's it's time consuming. You don't have a life. Right. Like, from the time you wake up to the time you go to sleep, you're doing something. You're married to the campaign. You are. You know, and uh, someone told me, and uh, one of the elders in the game was like, hey, you know, if, if you had a strained marriage before you started your campaign. Don't run. Don't. You're, <laughs> you're going to end in divorce. Right, right. Don't <laughs> run. But, uh, and so uh, just kind of seeing that and then understanding the art of compromise mm -hmm. you know, is, is another part into it because it's like you have a certain agenda that you want to try to push. You know, I want these things done. The opposition party has another thing that they want to get accomplished. At the end of the day, you got to get something done. You know, and it's, it's, I guess the question remains, what are you willing to sacrifice in order to get that, the main thing done? Right. And I don't think people really understand how much compromise is involved. Oh, it has to be. Uh, you don't get everything you want. Right. No, 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 because it, it just doesn't work that way. Yeah. You know, we have a lot of young, young uh, first timers in Congress right now. Yeah. And the, the media is constantly putting them out as being, you know, this talking loud and this is what I'm going to do. And at the end of the day, you still just one vote. Yeah. <laughs> so if you don't get the majority to vote with you, anything you brought here means nothing, you know. And so, like you said, you, you got to be willing to give up something to get stuff. And um, being, a, again, an organizer and a union officer, I've negotiated contracts. And when you go, you sit at the table, you know what you want to leave with. Yeah. And you know the red cards that you're willing to throw out to. Like when you sat down and said, look, man, I know they're going to want to take away, you know, my tennis shoe allowance. Well, I'll give that up in exchange you pay full health care for us versus 80% and we pay 20. You pay the full and we'll give you the tennis shoe allowance. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like you got to be willing, but it's not all about what you can just go and take away, you yeah. know, because again, when they sat down, they, they came to take something too. Yeah. And so you have to, you know, prioritize uh, the things that you say are important versus extremely important. Yeah. And then, and then even before that point, uh, the listening aspect, right? Like if you're, especially if you're representing a group of people, um, it's really hard to, it's hard to get a, everyone's voice mm -hmm. just because uh, for those who are, there, there are, there's always a part, a part of the population that's extremely vocal, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. right? But they don't represent everybody. Right. They're just the loudest. They're just the loudest. And it's, it's hard to kind of get those other voices because typically those folks don't speak up and, um, and you do have to try to find ways to get into those niches. Um, and sometimes you get hit with hostility, especially if you're not from that particular area. Like I know I've, when I've walked through certain neighborhoods, um, going to different civic meetings, you know, because I'm not from that neighborhood, you know, you know, everybody's kind of looking at me with the side eye. Right, right. You know? <laughs> Who's this dude? Yeah. What does he want from me? With this yeah. cool suit <laughs> and bow tie. Yeah. Cool suit and bow tie. That's my. That's what I rock. But uh, but you know, it's uh, getting through that initial barrier before even getting to the point to understanding what, what people really want is, is a challenge as well, you know. So again, I, I, I respect anybody who wants to step into this world because it's, it's not a game, for sure. Yeah, <laughs> it's and, crazy. and you know, another, another thing I want to touch on is uh, we look at the level of uh, the national level, like presidency, Congress, yeah. Senate, when a lot of the things, like probably 85% of what you need changed is on the ground. It's right here. Yeah, local. And, and I, I rarely hear people mad at their city councilman 
They she probably don't know. Probably don't even know their city councilman. And so when you, you complain about, there's certain things that people complain about, the fix is right here, yeah. you know, or when uh, federal funds do reach our city, or you concerned with how those funds are distributed, you know, and rarely do people know. I would say this though, uh, and having worked on both sides, I do think that local news needs to do a better job of bringing attention to local campaigns. Mm -hmm. um, I always found it strange when I was working at KHOU that we didn't have a segment just talking about the local politicians and right. who's running and what's on the ballot. Right. Right. Yeah, we covered some propositions from like either the mayor's office or something like that. But what about the judges? What about uh, your councilmen's? You know, what about your, your city district large? Uh, groups, your precinct ones through fours, like all these different right. positions that play a very vital role in the system as a whole. In the day to day. In the day to day that, you know, unless you're just going to each of these civic meetings and you're, like, you're in all these different uh, town halls, which some of them are in random times of the day, like at three o'clock mm -hmm. in the afternoon when you're at work, you know, uh, news, in my opinion, should definitely step up and, and have a segment in the show, just talking about that stuff, getting people informed. Because where else are you gonna get the information if you're working full-time job and you don't have time to go to all these different places? Right, right. And uh, if that person didn't know your favorite radio station, yeah. or you know, if, where they, you getting the information if from? they didn't drop by your church, <laughs> you know what I mean, you're exactly. right. And it's, you know, I, I think we, we need to hold the media sources accountable and, and demand that, you know what I mean? Like, let's, let's, let's talk to them more about the information they're distributing. Yeah. You know, quit leading every day with national uh, issues that may or may not affect us, especially right away. Right. But there are local issues that may affect me tomorrow. But it's uh, the national stuff's more sexy. Yeah, it's sales. It's, it's, <laughs> hey, with that, we're going to take a quick break, man. Uh, I, hey, you know I can talk about politics all day. So we, we'll be right back mm -hmm. on the Life is Not Complicated Strong Opinion Podcast. The things students say, like, you know, man, because of this book, I didn't commit suicide. Because of this book, I can now uh, speak in public and come out of my shell. Because of this book, I'm not so worried about what other people say about me, you know, not looking for their validation. That's what means that, you know, that's what, that's what touches me. Um, my favorite chapter was about not letting either your boss, uh, boyfriend, girlfriend, mother, family, anybody get in your way of being successful in whatever it is you want to do. To purchase life is not complicated. You are or the other 99 times or to download the audio versions. Please visit carloswallace.com. All right, I'm back with you on the Life Is Not Complicated Strong Opinion Podcast. Sitting in with me, my man, Devontae. Yes, sir. Uh, I forgot to have you tell him uh, at the beginning. How old are you, man? Oh, I'm 26. 26. This yeah. young man sounds like an old man. <laughs> <laughs> That's why we can sit on the phone for hours at a time. <laughs> uh, but uh, I want to I want to go stick with the politics, you know, again. Okay. Um, uh, again, I you know, I would love to see the local media sources provide more information so people don't get caught up with what's on Facebook, mm -hmm. what's in Twitter and, and whatnot. Uh, how would you say that affects your generation, like the social media influence? It's huge. Um, I find that the the most popular 
candidates utilize Twitter and Instagram uh, very well. But just because the person's popular doesn't mean that they're the most qualified for the position. And I do find there are some individuals who are, you know, not a really a social media person, um, who on paper would fit really well with the job, but they don't really get the amount of attention because um, everybody's spending so much time on Instagram. But I will say to kind of counteract that, the amount of time that people spend on Instagram is not uh, productive time. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, and I would argue that the, your messages, uh, you only have a certain amount of space. And the vast majority of the consumption of, of social media, like especially videos, or without audio. Mm -hmm. So basically people are just looking at pictures. Right. Pictures and then this video with no sound. Um, so I don't know. I, 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 you know, I guess an idealistic world. I would love to see people go into the city hall meetings just because, not city hall meetings exclusively, but just like going to town hall meetings and just meetings in general. It is different in person. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know, you, you, you can actually ask the people questions. You know, it's, it's a real time exchange. Social media, although there are aspects of it that are two way, um, it's not the same mm -hmm. as in person. You can't really replace in person, right? And so uh, that's just my little take on that. And and what do you think we should do to try to head us in a different direction? I mean, for for your generation, I mean, that seems like it's that's where it's going. It's the be all end all. It's social media. What do you think we should do different, like to create more of that face to face? Yeah. You know, I, I guess it's it's probably just telling people the value. Mm. Um, when I look at, and actually not even my generation, I look at the generation before me, or after me actually, um, the younger ones, you know, they're way more entrenched than we ever were. Right. I mean, I grew up in a time where uh, none of this stuff existed. Right. You know, I, I didn't get into Facebook until high school. Mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, I know what life was like without social media. Right. They don't know. Right. They have no idea what life was like without social media. So it's 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 going to be extremely more difficult for them than for us. Um, and we're having problems. So I have no idea. I don't know what that answer would be. Um, but I mean, it's like our, our parents or grandparents trying to explain to us life without television. Yeah. Like, we don't know what that's like. We don't. <laughs> you know, or life without a car. Um, yeah. Without those, those modes of transportation. Like, because that's all we've known. So now you're telling these kids, you're trying to explain to them life before a smartphone. <laughs> it's like, this is how I consume all of my media. Right. You know, right. there was a time where there was no media. I do think that there should be a push, I guess coming from us, not, not from older people, uh, to get more in-person uh, exchanges. I do think that that's gonna have to be a, gra a grassroots movement. Mm -hmm. But in order for that to even be accomplished, people have to see the value in it, right? What is the value? Why, why is it important for me to have to come here in person? Right. What's the advantage, right? I'm so used to texting. Why do a phone call? Right. Yeah, and I've had to explain that to people I've dated. Wow. <laughs> that's, that's a crazy thing. Right, right. Uh, the differences, you know, and it's like it's, it's sometimes, and it's a, it's a thing that's really hard to explain because it's a feeling, mm -hmm. you know? And, and you won't really know that feeling unless you've just physically experienced it. Right. Um, but you get way more information 
from a person in person. I agree. I agree. Um, are you or you or your peers concerned about the future of, uh, of this country? Like, and if so, what are, what are some of the concerns? Um, I am, and I would say that my friends are too. We actually have talks about this uh, a lot, especially now with uh, with all these different. We're, we're getting attacked by all fronts. You know, our our environment's deteriorating. The social gaps are splitting. Mm. You know, everyone's kind of segmenting off into these sub-tribes. Mm -hmm. um, you have the economic situation being uncertain. The ideas of retirement are just in the ether. Like, we don't even know what retirement looks like at all anymore. You know, mm -hmm. all, the, all the things that we were told back in school are not true. You know, Social Security, is, is, as the rumor has it, is not going to be there anymore. So like, there's a lot of concerns. Um, and I, I'm doing the best that I can right now to kind of just manage at least what I can control. Um, but we're going to have to really shift behavior. And, and a really good example of this is food. Mm. And I'm pretty sure you probably have had some folks talk about this, but... Uh, you know, like the level of, of consumption that we have, especially when it comes to stuff like beef. Eventually, that stuff's going to—it's going to implode on itself. Right. It's not sustainable how it is right now. Mm -hmm. You know, we're going to have to answer questions like that, and we're going to have to shift our behavior. And getting a large number of people to shift behavior is extremely difficult. Mm -hmm. Getting one person to shift behavior is difficult. Yeah, so, right. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. You can explain to that person all day. That, hey, if you do things this way, it's going to make your life a whole lot easier. You know, there's going to be so many benefits to it. And that person could still look at you and be like, nah, man, I'm good. And keep walking. Right, right. So trying to get a group of people to say, hey, maybe we should chill out on the amount of hamburgers we're eating. Right. Because it's, it's destroying our environment. They're not trying to hear all that. Right, right, right. Because it tastes good. It tastes good. And it's convenient. Right. And, you know, if, if, if the earth deteriorates, hopefully I'm dead before that happens. Right. That's the attitude. Yeah, yeah. You know. And that's not fair for the next gen, you know. So it's a uh, a lot of it. A lot of our issues, fortunately, are are can be changed through internal reflection. Mm. That is the, the most positive part of it is the fact that it, they can be fixed. It is going to take a lot of work, and it's going to be a lot of mental work. Right. But it can be done. So so, so these concerns, like, and I'm with you, but do are we focused on them as just a, a U.S. problem or concern, or is it a global issue? Well, now, we're in a global world now. Right. So all these things are global issues. Okay. I mean, taking, for instance, that beef situation, a lot of the soybean is mm. being grown in Indonesia. Right. Right? Destroying all the forests in that area. Mm -hmm. Brazil's now getting into that game, too. Right. Right? That stuff is outside of the U.S., but it affects the U.S. Correct. Right? So it's... We're, we're in a global society, essentially, um, and we would have to get everyone on board or not. You know, this whole thing could completely fall apart and the human race can start from scratch. You right. Know? So, I mean, it's it depends on what we really want to do. I got you. <laughs> I got you. <laughs> now, I, now, at the risk of sounding like a fool, I'm going to ask you anyway, because I understand your, your, your generation with climate change. Yeah. Like, what's do you believe in it? Do I believe in climate? Yeah. 
Yeah. Oh, well, okay. In that question, are you saying, do I believe that humans have had an impact? Correct. Yes. Yes. Yeah. We're, we're affecting it tremendously. How can it? How can we not? <laughs> how can we not admit I mean, it? I mean, look what just happened a couple of days ago. Right. Right. <laughs> in Houston. Right. For those who were in New York, we had a what is it? Petroleum yes. tank. Yeah. Blow up. Yeah. And it had that whole plume of smoke coming out. And now everybody's saying, "Hey, there's a what, benzene? Yeah. That's in the air. Right. Come on now." <laughs> We're doing stuff every day. Yeah, you know, uh, I thought it was funny. It was years ago, man, when um, I think George Bush was our mayor, uh, a governor, mm -hmm. and he implemented um, for the registration of your car. We had to start doing the emissions test and yeah. all this stuff, right? And so we pay extra in regards to emissions to to combat that. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, man, are you serious? Are you trying to convince me and the rest of us? that the cars is the emission problem and not the petroleum <laughs> refineries like <laughs> how much are they paying yeah you know and uh but yeah i think it was later discovered in studies that cars make up like one percent <laughs> of the emissions or something it's, it's very low which number. is really crazy to think right like as far as like being able to see how many cars are on the road right. each and every day and that's only one percent one percent that's crazy and imagine how much the petroleum like we it gets our attention when what happened a couple of days ago happened right. there's an explosion or a fire and whatnot but what about the day-to-day -day? yeah yeah the, the other the other 99 <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah but it's just uh, i i love the fact that you you guys your generation take things uh a lot more serious than we did uh immigration is one mm -hmm. um that is a, it's an interesting one. It's a hot topic. It's a, it's a hot topic. Yes. Yeah. There's a lot of, uh, as, a, as a person that's had to talk to different groups, mm -hmm. I now understand the concerns of, of both parties of that. Right. The folks who are completely for immigration and the folks who are, or I guess not completely against, but against how it is right now. Doing it right. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, I tell you, I was in class once uh, at Lone Star. And there was a young student, man, and she was just crying and crying. And, and we're going over our lesson plan. We're talking about the book, Life's Not Complicated, and you right. know, kids are hitting me with questions. Well, students, they don't like when I say kids. But, <laughs> but uh, and so I asked the young lady, I was like, man, what, what's wrong? And she said, I don't know if my parents are gonna be at home when I get there. Like she was so afraid of ICE just kicking in their door and yeah. taking her parents, and you know, and it was all based on the rhetoric she sees on TV or social media. Like she was that afraid. Right. And uh, it's not that I hadn't thought about it before, but that's when it really, you know, really was like, wow, man, there are people out here that really have that concern, you know? Yeah. Um, when I hear about people that's been here 12, 15, 20 years, and then they're, they're you know, I just make them go return to the country in which they came. I'm like, dude, you were here long enough to, to, get, to get your status. What, yeah, what's what's 14, up? Yeah. yeah, you know. So it's hard It's hard to feel for that person yeah. versus, you know, kids is, is a big thing to me, you know, the young, young people, man. And I think part of it too is education, right? For those who did come here, you know, 20 years ago, mm -hmm. did they know the processes and that they needed to take? Right, maybe, right? maybe not. You know, maybe it was a situation where they didn't learn English until five years in. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I do think there there needs to be there ne there needs to be some type of educational program to get folks you know into 
the process, I guess, a lot. And, and, and we do have a lot of people who are going through the process and getting naturalized every day. So I don't want to discredit them because they are doing a lot of work. Um, but for situations like that, I do wonder, where were you? And, you know, did you have access to the information you needed? Mm -hmm. um, for those who are kind of completely opposed to immigration, um, at least from what I've heard, their main concerns are not necessarily jobs, but border security. For those who are or who are concerned about jobs, uh, that's more of just a more of a hatred thing. Because most of the jobs that the people who are immigrating to this country are taking are not stuff that you want to do anyway. So. Uh, yeah. Well, a, you know, I've, I'm I'm a, I'm a true man of faith, and and I've always said, you know, no one can take away what God meant for you to have. Mm -hmm. you yeah. Know? <laughs> so. Uh, and Are during, you doing what you're supposed to be doing? During my 23 years of railroading, I never, I was never concerned of someone taking my job. Yeah. It's mine, you know. Well, I will add though, the only thing I am concerned about when it comes to immigration is not usually people uh, focus on Mexicans. I don't, I don't focus on Mexicans at all. I focus on the other party that has money. Right. Folks buying up land. Right. You know, those are the folks that I'm concerned about. Right. Because they're basically buying America right now. Right. The folks from China, the folks from Russia. A lot of Turks, a lot of these people, they come here with money and they're bidding up a lot of these real estate stuff, pushing people who were there yep. out. And no one's talking about that. No one's talking about that. Right. To me, that's more of a security risk than somebody coming from the Rio Grande. Of yeah. course, <laughs> of course. But again, that's not sexy. That's not sexy. They don't talk about that on the news, man. So. Or, or you know, even on a national level, that's not the discussion. But no, I would love to see the numbers. Oh, absolutely! <laughs> but, but I would love to see the numbers, uh, the amount of um, immigrants, and how much property they own in the United States, mm -hmm. uh, the percentage-wise, like from ten years ago versus today. Yeah, like that's a very good, that's a very good thing to look at, man. That's, I'm glad you brought that up. I need to take another break, man. You, you hit me with a heavy one. Now you got me nervous. <laughs> we'll be right back with you on the Life Not Complicated Strong Opinion Podcast. Five, four, three, two, one, zero. The Other 99 Times. Count your blessings. Season 2. Showing now on NetNY.TV. Theos by Verizon Channel 48. Optimum Channel 30 and Spectrum Channel 97. Season 1 streaming on Amazon Prime Video. Alright, we back with you on the Life is Not Complicated Strong Opinion Podcast. My man Devontae, boy, he, he, he hit me with the heavy stuff today, so <laughs> I had to take me a break and, uh, man, remake the tea. <laughs> man, um, I'm, I'm really enjoying this. Like I said, we have great conversations oh, all yeah. the time, but to get it get it on on record man and uh on my podcast it's an honor i appreciate you i'm uh, glad because uh, you know i always try to make sure i see you while you're in houston yes sir you're, you're a busy guy so thank you man try i appreciate to get it in where I, just try to get in where i fit in <laughs> yes sir get in the schedule yes sir yes sir <laughs> uh i got i got a couple of a couple of three more questions man before we go um what would you say is the greatest misconception about your generation um I would say nar narcissism. Mm. <clears throat> a lot of people have this conception that you know, we're, we're all just self-absorbed. Self mm -hmm. um, and I don't think it's our generation. I think it's the age group. You know, I think it's, you know, as, and I've noticed this, as we've gotten older, you know, getting more responsibility mm. 
you know, whether it be folks getting kids mm -hmm. or their jobs, they have more responsibility in their jobs, that starts to change how you look at things. And so the narcissism, you know, everything's about me, is not accurate. You know, I would say that, you know, everyone is initially, and I think everybody started this way, when you have nothing, you're trying to build. Right. You know, so you don't really have time to think about other people because, all right, do I have enough money to pay rent today? Right. You know, uh, my car's be down, so I got to figure out, you know, especially if you don't have parents who can just afford to just pay right. for all your repairs, you yeah. got to do that stuff yourself. They're like, all right, let me try to get this done. You know, you, you don't have time to go volunteer and to, you know, do all this extra stuff. Like right. you, you're trying to get just the day to day together. And then as you start to get more, a little, little bit more money and, um, you know, you start to get a little wiser and, and things become more efficient and faster. That's when you're able to devote time to other stuff. Right. So that's what I think of what it is. The narcissism thing isn't accurate. I think that's that's just where we are in life, mm -hmm. which I think everybody started that way. Yeah. And, you know, and I know your principles are a lot different than, than people at your age. But mm -hmm. a lot of that is due to you being raised by your grandmother. Yeah. And, and uh, a, just a stern lady. And, Did not and, take any mess. And God is first. <laughs> God is first, right? Absolutely. Yeah. So, um, and I, I'm glad that we have people like you in in that generation because uh, the world I hear it on a daily basis think you guys don't exist. Yeah. You know, and that's why I'm doing this. I would say the biggest thing that she passed down to me is self-discipline. Mm -hmm. And that's the thing that uh, I see. That's important for everybody. You know, that's that makes the difference. That that changes how you make decisions. Um, you know, buying up a bunch of stuff just because you can, you know, that's not, that's not showing discipline. You know, getting up early, making sure you go to work on time. It's very simple things. Simple things, right. Very simple things, but doing them well. And, um, you know, that's all from her. From well, and also the, the challenges that I've known for you to go through since I've known you. Uh, losing a job, uh, break up with girlfriends. And what, mm. I've never heard you blame anyone else. No. You know, it all starts with you. Well, part of that is you. So I got to give you credit where credit is due. Hey, I appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> I, that that's not where I was going, but I appreciate that. Uh, like, there was a day, and I want to share this story. There was a day Devontae and I, a collection of us, five or six of us had a oh, meeting, right. man. We had a meeting, and, it, and uh, he was on his lunch break. And the meeting went a little longer than we anticipated, but when you're having a good time, that's what happens. Mm. And uh, Devontae went back to work, and we all dispersed. And he texted me about 30 minutes later and said, <laughs> well, I got fired. <laughs> Just like that, too. And, uh, like, share that. Share my yeah. response. So, you... Yeah, it was, um, I didn't think I was gone that long. but and, uh, and I did put measures in place in case I was a little bit later. Um, but I guess this was the time where my boss was deciding to visit the store. So... Um, came back, you know, I explained to him what the situation was. I was like, hey, I was meeting with some folks uh, I haven't seen in a while. And, you know, it, I called so-and-so to make sure delivery was on time, whatever. It's like, well, unfortunately, you've lost your job. I was like, all right, cool. Uh, I got my stuff and I went home. And, um, and I told Carlos and I was like, you know, at, at the time, I didn't, I didn't say this to him, but at the time I was like, you know, this is bad timing. Because I, I got this job. I didn't like the job, but I got it because uh, of getting laid off from KHOU. Right. And so, um, you know, I went through that whole six months on unemployment trying to find another job. And I had a bunch of interviews that I, that I went to, and I didn't land any of those jobs. 
Um, so this was like basically my last resort. Um, Hail Mary pass, working in a sales position, which I hated sales. It was terrible. But um, so a lot, I got fired from that job and I was like, I don't know what's, you know, I, I've already lived through this experience before, you know, seven, I guess, nine months prior, mm -hmm. you know, and I, and I didn't do well. Mm -hmm. You know, I wasn't successful at landing that next job. Mm -hmm. So I was like, man, this is, this doesn't look that good. And, um, you know, you told me, you know, you'll be all right and things happen for a reason. And at the time, I was like, I, I get where he's coming from. I've read his books. I know. <laughs> but he don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm in the moment. Right, You know, right. I'm in the moment and it's still scary. Right. So, um, but, you know, um, one thing he did say about entrepreneurs is you have to change your mentality. Mm. And that's what I forced myself to do. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, all right, you know, since looking for a job didn't work, I need to just create my own job. Mm -hmm. And so that's what I did. I spent about $5,000 getting equipment, uh, put it on cards, and I went out there and just started hustling. Mm. You know, doing projects all over the place, photography stuff, video projects. Um, I did some freelance writing for a little bit. It's anything I can get my hands on. Um, and then to save a little money, I later moved in with my grandmother, mm -hmm. uh, which was very humiliating for me because I felt like I failed. Mm -hmm. You know, um, for before that I was on my own. I had my own apartment, right? And I felt like my life was going in the right direction, right. trajectory-wise. Uh -huh. And to move basically back home, you know, I, I felt like a failure. Right. Um, so I was kind of in a, a depressive state a little bit, I guess. Um, but I, I kept working, and I was like, all right, I'm gonna get out of this. I'm gonna get my spot back, and I'm gonna make some things happen. And uh, eventually, it, didn't, it wasn't happening overnight. I think after six months or so, uh, things started to turn around. I started making some decent money. Um, I started saving up some stuff. And then, out of the random blue, uh, one of the uh, political campaign coordinators mm. got a hold of my resume mm. and said, hey, Marilyn Burgess is, is looking to fill uh, her cabinet with folks. And we thought, you know, based off your resume, that you would be a good fit. Are you interested in coming in for an interview? And I was just like, where did this come from? Hey, man. <laughs> hey, I told you everything happened when it's supposed to, man. I was crazy. Like, and literally, because I was planning for, um, you know, what was, what, you know, I needed more clients. So I was like, all right, who am I going to be reaching out to next? Right. I was doing all of that. I had no idea that any of this was going to happen. Right. And literally in a two weeks time, came in for an interview, nailed it. Came in for the second interview, nailed that one, got the job three days later after that, and I started working January 1st. Wow. And I was like, this is crazy. Yeah. Hey. <laughs> and like literally, like the, the same time last year, I was trying to figure out. How you gonna stay above water. Yeah. And now look. Yeah, it's, it's, it's crazy. But it's what crazy. I want people to take away from this is this young man was 26 and felt like, well, actually you were 25 at the time, yeah. and felt like a failure because he had to move back home with his grandmother. I know guys 35 that don't feel like that. <laughs> they moving home with their mother or, or, or living with a, with a woman and not p contributing with the bills and whatnot. And here you are, you felt bad. That, that's a man. You, you, you felt this way at 25. Like that tells me you were raised right. You know, it's, hey man, it's my job to get out, get on my own. Yeah, and, and, and build my own family. And build my own family. I can't do that if I'm here. Right, right. So. I, I, I appreciate you plugging that part in there, man. That's, 
I didn't know that, you know what I mean? But but uh, I'm glad you shared it because that's a big thing. Independency, man, yeah. independent. Yeah, oh. yeah, I love my grandmother, but you know. Of course, of course, <laughs> oh yeah, that, yeah. No, yeah. I understand. Yeah. Uh, what do you feel like your peers have contributed to today's society? I think we're still trying to figure things out. Yeah. You know, the world is changing fast. You know, it, it's different from you know, when I was in college. Mm -hmm. And so we're, we're basically trying to figure out where we fit mm -hmm. into this tapestry. And um, for some folks, you know, they join organizations and they're vocal and you know, they're out in the streets and they're trying to get people to, uh, to hop on on some of these initiatives and, and activism roles. Mm -hmm. For other people, it's, it's more of building a network. Um, I know one of my friends is trying to get into real estate Eventually, he wants to buy a bunch of affordable apartments. He doesn't want to brand them affordable apartments. Usually, that means low income. Mm -hmm. But basically, saying you know, nice-looking apartments, but they're not outrageously expensive. Mm -hmm. And so he's trying to figure out how to make that possible. Right. Because he doesn't see any live examples right now. Right. A lot of apartments are either way too really high. expensive, yeah. yeah, or you're it's dirt, you know, and the the walls are falling apart and the right. ceilings. Needs work and all this other stuff. So he's trying to figure out, is there a way that I can kind of get back to the middle? You know, that working class, middle class guy. Exactly. That want a nice place to live. And yeah, because yeah, he's, you know, and we both were looking for something like that and, and we, we can't find him. So mm -hmm. it's like, you know, he, he wants to be one of the people that says, all right, I'm going to make these apartment complexes. Right. That working folks can work at and, and feel good living there. Yeah. Well, that's, I'm glad you brought that up because the, the biggest thing I, I appreciate about your, your generation is that you guys are creators, you know. Yeah. I, I think America had lost the creative edge for quite some time. And, and your generation, like you said, he said, look, I don't see the apartment space where that middle guy can go, so I want to create that, you know. You see a void, feel it. Yeah. And I think we had gotten away from it, you know. But I, your generation, I, you know, working with Google, uh, and I work with a lot of young people in that space and they're all trying to create something that makes make life better yeah you know so when I hear the 20 somethings talking about that I just get excited and not just waiting for further instructions you know they're they're, they're looking to create something that's gonna make uh, the world better and I can appreciate that you know what, what he just said like the the apartment thing that makes yeah. the world better yeah so I I do uh, have a great appreciation for your generation for, for that man and that's why I do feel and I know I stated this earlier you know there's a lot of concerns that we have moving forward uh, but that's also why I said but they're fixable mm-hmm because mm -hmm. we do have enough people who are willing to put energy behind changing mm-hmm and all you really need is a small group of dedicated folks. You don't need everybody on board. You just need a very small but dedicated group of people. To right. Make things work. Mm -hmm. I agree. Uh, who is your greatest inspiration? Um, I, have, I have several because uh, it, it depends on what part of my life. Mm -hmm. um, as far as like personal, I would say my grandmother. Mm -hmm. Just. Because she didn't really have to do what she did. I mean, I know she will say she had to because I'm her grandchild. But you know, most folks, you know, if you're done raising your kids, you're done. Right, right, right. You know, but she she saw that there were concerns, and she's like, I'm not going to let my next generation completely deteriorate and die. So I'm going to do something about that. Mm. Um, so I appreciate that. 
So she, she's my biggest inspiration. She's had a really rough life. And uh, now she's, she's finally being able to enjoy things, and, which is always good. I would say her. James Baldwin, um, going through his life experience. Being able to articulate thoughts in front of a hostile environment and not be phased at all. Mm -hmm. um, it's something that I, I'm studying currently, you know, because I, I am going into certain pockets that don't necessarily like me, you mm -hmm. know, for whatever reason, either because of the person I'm affiliated with or they're jealous of my bow tie. I don't know. <laughs> so um, seeing how he handled those situations mm -hmm. you know, in a very dignified manner um, and it was, you know, really articulate. Mm -hmm. um, I would say you, Carlo. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Thank um, you. You know, from our, our talks we've had, being able to just, and that, sometimes it's not even what you're saying. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you get a lot of information just by watching people. Mm -hmm. and, and I like to watch people. I like to see how they do things and, and, and how they work in environments and just kind of watching you work. I've already picked up a lot of stuff and none of that stuff was verbal. Mm -hmm. It was just all just from looking at you and seeing how you deal with people and stuff like that. So um, I, I say my stars or like my, the people that inspire me the most are on the local level. I don't mm -hmm. really think that it would make sense to have a, you know, either a role model or somebody that inspires you who you don't have a personal relationship with. Right. I say it all. That's, man, your role model should be a person you can touch. Yeah. You know, you can call them. You can... You can ask the question that you think is unnecessary or you're afraid they might think is unnecessary, but it may be very necessary. Yeah. And that question may lead to other answers. You know, you, you will call me about one thing and we'll be on the phone an hour and a half, you know, yeah. because uh, not only will I give you the answer, I'm going to give you the why. Yeah. You know, and that's uh, to me, that's very important. And, and I've been afforded that from my mentors and people that I, you know, that I go to for advice. So I feel like it's only fair that I do the same thing. Yeah, and hopefully, you know, when I get to a certain age, I'll be able to pass that down. Oh, I'm sure. I'm, I have no worries. <laughs> I have no worries at all, man. <laughs> uh, if you had the opportunity to go back in time at a critical, critical point of our nation, mm. uh, where would you go? How far would you want to travel back? So the, the difficult part with that question is... Like, we're really living in the era where being black is all right. Mm -hmm. You know, if you start going back a couple of years and, then, you know, your safety starts getting questioned. Right. Uh, so going back in time, for me, was always like, why would I want to do that? Well, if you could go back there and, and, and you could change something, you know, yeah. let's say civil rights, pre-civil rights, or any time, any okay. critical moment, you know, what, what things would you do different? Okay. Uh, um, so for that... What I would do is I would go back to probably the 13th, 14th century to Africa. Mm -hmm. uh, back when the Sungai Empire was at its biggest stage. Right, okay. And I would try to convince the, uh, yeah, I would try to convince uh, Mansa Musa or Askia Muhammad, mm -hmm. whoever was in power at that time, to not allow his people to fight themselves. Right. Because I do believe if we had the empires in place and they had a unified understanding, very similar to how Europe was unified. Right. You know, Europe, they didn't, they did fight themselves, but at a point they said, you know what, we're not going to fight each other, we'll fight other people. 
Mm -hmm. I do think if we had something like that, the slave trade wouldn't be as big. But I also understand that the slave trade was the biggest mover of people. And that the At different, their time. Yeah. yeah, and like the different diversity of culture that has been built based off of that has been beautiful. Mm -hmm. You know, Brazilian culture, you know, and the influences that we've had on that. The Caribbean, mm -hmm. you know, America, right? I don't, you know, jazz music, all the things that we've contributed to society. Would those things still be in existence if the slave trade didn't exist? Right. So I'm conflicted with that. You know, I'm like, you know, it, it would be nice because, you know, you don't, I don't like that part of our history is subjugation. But also I understand that if you take that away, are you also taking away these other things that we've done? You know, and that's, I guess, the actionality, you know, the, the secondary consequences of an action. So uh, I probably wouldn't do anything. Mm. I like that because, like I said, everything happens the way it's supposed to, you know, even the suffering, um, everything. Yeah. Now, the one thing, if I had this opportunity, um, the bus boycott mm. in the 60s. Okay. Explain that one. The one thing I would change about that is once we've established ourselves as a moving party mm -hmm. and a collection of power, they give in. Why do we get back on the bus as opposed Ooh, to starting our own bus that's transportation company? That's a very company? good question. That's a very good question. Because you would think the next logical move would be, you know what, we're just going to establish our own. We, Let's pull our money all together and get some beat up bus. And start, get one. Get one. Work that one. Use that money to buy the next one. And then we'll have a whole system of buses and, by the time, you know. And 10. grow from there. You're right. That, now that would be different. If, okay. You made me think now. Because there are certain moments in our history where if you had somebody who just had a little bit more knowledge you know, to dispense that knowledge to that group of people. Say, hey, look, although this might seem great, mm -hmm. you know what's better? Mm. This. Mm -hmm. And doing something like that, establishing your own bus. Mm -hmm. And see, that's why I say your generation is the generation not so much about, let me get an education so I can get a job, mm -hmm. as much as it is, let me get an education so I can own my own company. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so you guys wouldn't have gotten back on the bus. After about a week, you'd have figured out another means of transportation. And when they said, okay, we're throwing in the white tile, we give up. We, hey, man, we've moved on. We've already moved on. We've, we've already moved on, brother. We've already figured it out. We Thank figured you. it out. That's right. <laughs> we, thanks, but no thanks. You exactly. know, you didn't want us. That's cool. Yeah. We find our own space. Instead of begging to come back. Yeah. And that, that's the one thing I would definitely want to change because that would have changed the mentality of so many things if we would just have established our own. Yeah. And then that, that, that it causes a ripple effect, you know. Yeah, we, I guess I guess I'm going to ask you this. Do you think that's more of just upbringing, right? Because we're coming into the space in a gig society mm -hmm. where getting a job is difficult. And it is actually a little easier to establish your own business. Mm -hmm. You know, um, you're, not, you're probably not making as much money. Mm-hmm. But it is easier to kind of get your own foot started with technology. Uh, I mean, you can do your accounting off an app now. Right. All the things that previously owning a business, you had to get all these people. You had to have all this capital. Right. You don't necessarily need that stuff anymore. Right. 
it's better to have it, but you don't necessarily need it anymore. Do you think part of that is just the upbringing? Because those the people of that time were their biggest concern was inclusion. I don't want to speak for them. Right, right. Yeah, but yeah, probably so. Uh, so then it would make more. It would logically, fair and equal and inclusion. You know, so it would make logical logical sense for you know after that was done to be included because that's all really they wanted to begin with. And our issue isn't inclusion. We don't really care about inclusion. No, we we <laughs> want we want better. Yeah. You know, um, my my thing with today, with regards to what you said about it's easier to start a business, right? So as an author, yeah, um, it's easier to write a book now. You know, I mean, you can just throw something on paper, yeah. submit it to, you know, certain publishing companies for 25 bucks, 50 bucks. Before you know it, your book's on Amazon. Yeah. And you bypass all the gatekeepers, right? Right. Well, I have a, a, a love-hate mentality about that, right? I love that everybody now has an opportunity to be heard. Right. But my concern is for the people that won't do it right. Because everyone has an opportunity to be heard. Correct. <laughs> and so, you know, it, the consequence. It, it troubles me. Whenever I meet independent authors specifically, you know, I love to purchase their books. And man, a lot of them are just not written very good, you yeah. know. And that that bothers me because that's what's going to be left when we're gone. Right. <laughs> so... I just with with the open opportunities, I still I want us to have the discipline to do it right, you yeah. know. And that's so it, it, that's uh, a business that's becoming a, a singer. I mean, whatever it is, because we can now bypass you know the filters. Right. We don't. A lot of us don't do it right. We don't take the time. Right. You know, because it's it's you know instant gratification is an issue too. Yeah. Um, I want things now. Yeah, I, I, I see the advantage of, I guess, if you did have a gatekeeper, you had to work a little harder to get a, you know access. And so what you saw was the best of the best. Right. Put that in there, so quotes, to speak. Right, yeah. Of that said industry, uh, like Motown Records, things like that. Right. Um, I guess the downside of that is, you know, who's the gatekeeper and, you know, who, what back did you know that person rub, or who's right. rubbing that person's back to get access into the gate? That's not necessarily good. Right. Absolutely. I guess there's problems in both Either scenarios. Way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, taking that into consideration, I still would prefer this model mm -hmm. with even all its flaws, just because it does give at least the person who is good the opportunity, mm -hmm. even if they don't know the right people. Mm -hmm. And we're just going to have to deal with the unsavory ones. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> hey, the cream always rises, man. The cream does always rise. Hey, uh, well, that's all I got, man. You have any closing words uh, before you go? Um, Tell us where we can find you, you know. I, uh, I mean, I, technically I am on social, but social media is not my world. Right. Uh, I mean, I do have an Instagram. It's Total Medulla. It's my business stuff. I don't have any personal stuff. Uh, I don't really really care for it. I'm not a branding person, you know. I'm a, I'm a real I'm a real person. <laughs> so if you really want to know me, you're gonna to have to get get to me in person. Right. Um, but if you want a small glimpse, you can go to Instagram and uh, Total Medulla is is what Total Medulla is what you can find. So that's what's up, man. Well, hey, again, brother, I appreciate it. 
Thanks for stopping yeah, through thanks and for the invitation. sharing your thoughts with the world, brother. I love what you're doing. So, you know, anything I can do to help, I'm always down. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. All right. Well, that's a wrap. Uh, we'll talk to you next week on the Life Is Not Complicated Strong Opinion Podcast. Please visit www.carloswallace.com. That's Carlos Wallace. We would love to hear your opinion.